0: Lock Talk Radio.
1: The Keys Network is proud to present disaster awareness for community preparedness with your host, Brother Rudolph Mohammed.
2: creator for allowing me another day in his wonderful wonderful creation called universe. My existence is not based off of any good or righteousness of my own. It's based solely out of the Creator's mercy and grace. There is nothing that I have done or can do that will buy me the rights that he has extended I must always be aware of that, and I am forever grateful and thankful to him for this opportunity, and I dedicate my life to trying, attempting, striving to make good on my promise that I will do all that I can for my fellow man in the way of spreading the knowledge that I have, in the way of helping those that I can not help, and in the way of being there to guide, assist, and reach those that I can reach. Now, I realize that I am not all of that. The things, the talents that I have been blessed with by the Almighty Creator, I use those in the service of mankind. I don't expect, I don't require, I don't um, demand payment for the services that I render. And some say that's a big downfall for me because I should be compensated for the things I do. However, my compensation I'm looking for in another venue from another um, aspect or viewpoint. What I do is try and teach people the things that I know to be true based on my experiences, my education, and my training. The unfortunate part is I deal with in an arena, in a a place that is not really the happiest nor the brightest nor the most comfortable place to be in, although it is still an actuality and a reality. I am somewhat like the undertaker that you really don't, want to see me around, although you know at some point we are going to have a meeting. Um, And so to try and offset that, I do certain things and I make certain jokes, some tasteful, some rather distasteful to some. But again, um, I am a human being working in an area that no human being should ever have to be in Because it causes a lot of stress And it causes a lot of mental anguish Looking at the charred, torn Remains The twisted wreckage of human flesh That is left by certain incidents Accidents And sometimes on purpose But again I have to When all is said and done At the end of the night I have to Go into my secret closet And I have to pray To the God that I serve For mental clarity For compassion For debriefing So that I can get over the things That I've just seen So the next day I can start fresh And not be stigmatized Nor um, prejudiced In the way that My interactions with the next person that I interact with are injurious to them. So again, I thank the almighty, all-wise creator for all of his many blessings, and you should too. And with that, we'll move on now to the next segment of the show. Now, the next segment of the show I want to talk about um, is the history piece. And, you know, every time I do a show, in every segment, I'm striving to uh, spotlight something uh, from a historical Point of view, teach, enlighten, and educate the listening or audience to something that they may not have known, okay, and with that, here we go. I want to talk. Now about an organization, a business, a um, a um, uh, an entity that is well known out in society. Well known more to some than to others. To some people, it's just. Um, to some people it's it's just one of those things Some people say they've heard of it Some say they have never heard of it um, I've been involved with them since day one Again, just doing my part But they need to be recognized for who and what they are and what they do Because they have made a major contribution to society Since 1994, it premiered in its hometown of Atlanta, and it premiered under the name the Universal Big Top Circus. The circus sold by the newspapers in Atlanta, it attracted about 30,000 people during its 10-day run. In 1995... It signed Top acts on an international scale, bringing an award-winning, world-class performance from South Africa and Spain. In 1996, it becomes the first touring African-American circus in history. It travels to Chicago, Detroit, Philadelphia, Los Angeles, the Carolinas, up and down the eastern seaboard, uh, across the South Atlantic, South Pacific, and to the West Coast. In 1997, it was featured in a Southwest Airlines commercial, and it grew, grew to 10 cities in just those three years. In 1998, an HBO Uh, special was done on it, and it won the Best Choreography in 1999. Its cumulative attendance tops 4 million after six seasons, and it grew to 19 cities in 2000. For the first time, the single season attendance tops 1 million and it grows to 31 different cities. In 2001, it toured South Africa in its first international trip. In 2002, a second universal service was opened up to cover some of the other cities that the one circus could not meet the uh, needs to as it grew to 50 cities in 2003. It celebrated its 10-year anniversary in 2003. It's gained widespread media coverage with appearances on CNN, Fox News, the Today Show, and features stories in Newsweek and the Wall Street Journal. It becomes the longest-running urban family entertainment venue in the world. In 2006, it signs its first African-American ice skating troupe. And in 2013, they are still here, opening up today, tonight actually at 7.30 in Newark, New Jersey after a stay in Brooklyn, in Queens, and in the Bronx. Again, this is the Universal Circus, the Black Circus as we call it, the African-American Circus as some call it but it's definitely a family entertainment environment that is conducive for the entire family to uh, view it together. It's very affordable in that the tickets are reasonably priced, and it's designed in such a way that no matter where you sit, Under that big top, in that tent, you get an excellent view of what's going on and a great show for your money. So, again, this is hats off to Mr. and Mrs. Walker and those staff, family, friends, coworkers, clients, consultants, Everyone who plays a part in the production of the Universal Soul Circus each season. And this was our history moment. The Universal Circus coming to a town near you. Go online, check their website, Universal, that Universal, that Universal Soul Circus, Universal. Circus dot com. All right, looking at uh, my watch, it's about four sixteen or sixteen sixteen hours, and now we'll go into another segment where what I wanted to do today was to educate, again, the public on some things that should be known but may not be known. What happens when you call an ambulance, when you dial 911 for help? What is the actual process that goes through? Because uh, depending on where you are in the country and depending on what city you're in, yes, I know that different cities have different access numbers for emergencies. Here in New York, it's 911, and that will get you police, fire, and EMS. In certain cities, there may be 611 for the ambulance, 711 for fire, 811 for police, whatever it is in the city that you're in, what is the actual process that goes on when you call for help? Well, the first thing, of course, is you pick up the phone and you call. And then, again, depending on where you are, here in New York, the first person that answers is a PCT, a police communications technician and they ask questions going to be, medically speaking. They are going to confirm the address because just the nature of how things go, the police respond with EMS just to make sure that the scene is safe for the EMTs and paramedics to work on. And unfortunately, it's that way. However, that is the way it is. Are you calling for yourself or for someone else? Then they want to know the person that you're calling for. Are they breathing? And then this next question is, are they awake? Those three questions are major questions to, an- to answer for them because it helps them to determine what's going on and helps them to uh, prepare the appropriate response for you. Then they will go on to try and get other information like the age of, of the person, whether it's a male or a female, and the, uh, what their chief complaint is so they'll know how to enter it in the system in order to generate the most timely and the most appropriate response for you as not to duplicate or waste resources. Okay, so now, the next thing is now, once they confirm the address with you three times, now what they're going to do is they are going to send the job electronically to the dispatcher whose responsibility it is to get that job that appears on their screen assigned to the most appropriate and closest available responding unit, whether it's basic life support or advanced life support, depending on the call type. And the call type is determined by the interview between the call receiving operator and the patient themselves. So, again, based on what you as the caller say to that call receiving operator, that will determine how the call is processed into the system. Now, some people have learned this, and so they do unscrupulous things like, say, uh, uh, so-and-so is dying and just hang up the phone, uh, expecting that to generate a faster response. Well, that's a double-edged sword. It may generate a quick response, but it may not be the most appropriate response. And then in you trying to get all of the resources to come to you somewhere in the system now, someone is without resources, and this is where I come in, and I say that because my endeavor is to work with the local individual, John and Jane Q public. If you can be trained up to a certain level that you know pretty much what's going on, know how to stabilize a life and how to uh, maintain signs of life in an individual, it helps the overall outcome of that patient exponentially. In the chain link of survival, we all play a part, and we have to play our part. But the first part of it is for the first responder. The emergency medical responder who is the first one on the scene whose job is to confirm the incident and to administer appropriate life-saving techniques makes a big difference in the total outcome and the positive rehabilitation of that patient. Now, a lot of you that are listening are wondering, well, who is that? Who is that? Well, that who is you? The who is you. And I say the who is you because... I can teach that those skills and that knowledge to anyone that's willing to learn. In regardless of your educational background, your cultural background, your ethnic background, your political background, your religious background, none of that matters where teaching these skills are concerned. There is no reason why every able-bodied man, woman, boy, and girl does not
0: know
2: CPR at first aid. Do we have a caller on the line? Okay. Um, We're going to talk further in uh, in this time about patient's bill of rights, what happens when a person goes to the hospital, um, what they should expect from that health care facility, uh, what the health care facility is required by law to do for them and talk about some of the myths and the facts. When we returned um, after the commercial break, We will go to a small commercial break Not now At um, At the bottom of the hour At 1630 We'll take a short commercial break So that we can get ready For the next segment Which will be the patient's bill of rights Again Where I will go through Extensively But Quickly What you can expect As a patient, what you should expect as a patient and things that you need to know to do your homework before that eventual uh, emergency room trip that no one ever wants to make, but here in New York, over 1.5 million people make every year. So, again... The, the dispatcher now has it, a basic life support or an advanced life support unit. Uh, whether an engine company is assigned, uh, whether supervisors are assigned, depends on the priority of the call. Is it a priority one, priority two, priority three? It goes all the way down to priority seven.
0: Please enjoy this Verizon ring back tone while your party is reached.
2: You have a caller on the line. Okay. Um, at some point, we are expecting a call from someone that works in a major hospital in a major city, who works in. A particular department of the hospital who will talk about some test procedures and tests that are generally uh, requested and run on patients and what the results of those tests confirm in order to help that person or the doctor with the diagnosis for that person, but to help that person come to a favorable outcome by organizing and setting a care plan.
1: And the FOI Board of Directors is proud to present The Final Call. The Final Call is the country's unique leading source for news. Founded by the Honorable Louis Farrakhan, National Representative of the Most Honorable Elijah Muhammad in the Nation of Islam. The final call follows in the tradition of Muhammad Speaks with hard-hitting national and international news and coverage of political issues. It is the official communications organ of the Nation of Islam. can find one of the beautifully bow-tied representatives in your community or read finalcall.com
0: Rafika Consultants and Services LLC is on the
1: cutting edge of emerging technologies for designing online classes and providing face-to-face and virtual technology training or help with computer programs web design and graphic arts We also provide biography writing services for websites. For more information, give us a call at 631-399-0149. That's 631-399-0149. The Fluffs present the alphabet, now found in paperback, sporting a five-star rating on Amazon.com. and inspirational music imported from Africa, India, and Asia, as well as jewelry and accessories. Move 107, fast and gifts that bring out the best in you. Don't forget to visit move107.com. Work is proud to present Disaster Awareness for Community Preparedness with your host, Brother Rudolph Muhammad.
2: for Community Preparedness, and I am your host, Brother Rudolph Muhammad, and you are listening to The Keys 107. Again, I hope that you have, as I tell you each week when you tune to this show, always have some blank paper and something to write with, because you will get inundated with a lot of information here may help you later on down the line. Information that may be good for you, as well as your family. So now, getting back to what we were dealing with.
0: Please enjoy this Verizon ring back tone while your party is reached.
2: About some of these issues. Okay, so now we were discussing um, what happens when you call 911 how they process is, the ambulance gets to you, they decide that uh, the person needs to go to the hospital, now they're transporting them to the hospital. Okay, now what rights do the patients have? All right, one myth is that it's the patient's right to go wherever they want to go. Eh, Wrong answer. It would be nice. However, you have to remember that your local 911 ambulance service is just that, an emergency ambulance service, not a taxi service. It's not a relocation service. And it's not a courtesy service like you have a courtesy shuttle from the Sheraton to the um, uh, O'Hare Airport in Chicago or to JFK in New York. And it's, you know, how they pick you up and just take you there. That's not what your 911 ambulance service is for. That is to get that person with that life, threatening condition to the nearest appropriate 911-receiving hospital so that they may be stabilized and treated. That's the purpose of the ambulance. Now, in those areas where you may have a volunteer ambulance company, they have a little less stringent guideline where maybe they can take you out of the catchment area, or, you know, they can transport you to the hospital of your choice, just depending on uh, on your status and whether you are stable or not. Okay? So it's important for you to understand that. Uh, okay, who? Caller? Hello? Caller?
0: Um I was
2: not Salaam. Is this Lachelle Mohammed?
0: Yes, sir, it is.
2: Oh, wonderful. Uh listening audience, um, I want you to um, put your hands together and uh if you uh, uh put your fingers up and snap whatever it is that you do when you uh approve of something. But we have Sister Lachelle Muhammad all the way from Detroit, Michigan, on the line with us, and just so you'll know, the reason that she's on the line is to help bring some information to you um, regarding your care or treatment when um, in the facility. She happens to work in a cardiologist's office, um, and so she's familiar with the. Routine And some non-routine tests That are run on people Who have issues with their heart Their valves Or their cardiovascular systems Which I guess is a majority of Americans Or people in general Um so we're going to pick her brain for a few minutes,
0: so that you
2: can get um, some necessary information that may help you or a family member. Now, Sister Michelle, all right, can you just please announce and uh, tell them who you are and what it is you do?
0: Um, I work in uh, non-invasive, non-invasive, so no cutting, non-invasive cardiology. Um, in a metropolitan Detroit area hospital. And we do all of the non-invasive cardiology procedures. Our nether wing does the invasive cardiology procedures. So we do generally what you will start off with is an EKG. So say you're having some palpitations, a little heart flutter, just feel a little something in your chest, the first thing that will be done for you is an EKG, and that's um, electrocardiograph. So that's just um, looking at the electrical currents that go through your heart. And we all have electricity in our bodies, of course. If you watch on television if someone dies, they get the paddles and they say clear and they charge them and zap them with a little electricity to try to get their heart back on. So it's just checking the electrical currents of your heart to see if the SA node is firing properly to send the proper beat through your heart. And what we want is a normal Sinus rhythm Anything other than normal sinus rhythm There's a problem And then you will go to the next test
2: Okay so that's the EKG I'm quite sure everybody should be familiar with that That's the more routine And standard Mm -hmm. test That's um, Requesting on just about anyone That goes into the hospital Like you said that's complaining of chest pain Chest discomfort or things of that nature in general, it's again. called
0: the 12 lead. The 12 lead EKG is the one that's uh, most recommended. So you want, you should have 12 of those little daisies or little circles. You know, so many stuff on your chest, one on each arm, and one on each leg, and one on your ankle, which is just a ground wire, but that's the 12 lead EKG. All
2: right, and that gives to us, us medical professionals to go to the radiologists, the people who are interpreting the EKG, that gives almost a 3D picture of the heart and what's going on, correct?
0: Absolutely, yes, yeah, because they're looking at it from 12 different angles. That's what they call it, the 12-lead. It looks at it from 12 different angles, and you'll see where the firing problem, if the problem is in which valve, which area of the heart, where it's firing incorrectly, what's not opening. You can see a lot from a 12-lead EKG before you would move to the next step. Uh...
2: Okay, now, for again, for those of you in the listening audience, this may sound great to you, Okay. I mean, this may, you know, be hard for you to comprehend as hard as um, Japanese algebra. However, work with it. I'm going to try and uh, get it into regular everyday English so that you can understand. Uh, There are some little pasties that get stuck on your chest, on your arm and your leg, and they're hooked up to electrical leads, and you're laying there, they tell you to just relax. And they turn this machine on, and you see the beagle is jumping up and down and going as the paper is coming out of it, and it's registering something on the paper Then they take that paper to a person who is trained to read those squiggly lines and to interpret what those squiggly lines mean and Once they make that interpretation to the healthcare provider, the healthcare provider will then come back to you and explain to you in plain English or should be in plain English, exactly what the tests revealed. Now, if they're talking to you in such a way that you won't understand, do not be afraid to say to them, Hey, 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 stop. I don't understand any of those words that you just said. Can you please tell it to me in English?
0: I'm glad you said that, Brother Rudolph. That is so imperative. If nothing else that gets said in this segment makes any sense, that's what I want people to walk away with. And I'll let's make sure we repeat that over and over. Ask, Questions. This is your life. There's no question that's that's dumb. There's no question that's too simple, no matter what they're telling even if you are a medical professional. When I go in the hospital, I pretend like I know nothing. Even if it is a cardiac issue, I have stress tests. I tell them, talk to me like you would someone who knows nothing, because when you're the one that's sick, sometimes you're not thinking clearly, and I also suggest to people, bring another person with you. Bring someone else with you who's taking the note. Because you'll get out of the office and say he said something about Palpatine, he said something about He'll start getting fuzzy when they're throwing it all at you So bring another person that you trust That can stay in the office with you and take notes for you But you have to let the doctor know that that's okay Because there's HIPAA laws about your protected health information And you would have to okay it to the physician in advance I'm bringing this person with me You can speak freely in front of them They're taking notes on my behalf
2: On that note, let's that segue into the next segment that I wanted to talk about. Again, your rights as a patient—you have the right to have whoever you choose be present while you are being examined, if that's your choice.
0: Yes, when even though they tell be... sure you you can't, they may try to stop you. I've had that happen to me. Um, right. I had a uh, my next closest relative, the president would make decisions for me if I was unable to speak for myself, president in the room and had a position say, they have to step out, I have to talk to you, then they can come back and you can tell them what you want them to know. But that's not true. You can decide that you want someone there with you and you have the right to do that, and that is not a violation of HIPAA. What they call HIPAA, which is your health information protection, what you decide who can get your information, they can't share it without your permission. That's what HIPAA protects. It doesn't protect you from deciding who can have it.
2: Now, um, listening audience, so write this down. Health care proxy. Health care proxy. This is called an advanced directive. Mm -hmm. And what the health care proxy is, you are telling the facility that in the event you cannot speak for yourself, this is the person who is legally allowed to make decisions for you. This does not have to be a husband or a wife. It does not have to be a significant other. It's whoever you as the patient decide that you want to make medical decisions on your behalf. And it's Absolutely. called a health care proxy. So it, what you should do is you should get this in place right now. Everybody has that one person who they confide everything in, and that's who your health care proxy should be, someone who knows your medical condition just as well as you do. You're not hiding anything from them. There are no secrets, and they know exactly what you want to be done because you tell them, and then you fill out that health care proxy, and that gives them the legal Wherewithal to speak on your behalf Again this is called Health care proxy Now there's another one called A living will A living will And a living will likened unto a health care proxy Is again Your request In your own words What you want done In the event you cannot Speak for yourself the health care proxy is specifically dealing with medical issues and concerns. The living will is dealing with, it can be dealing with medical issues, it can be dealing with social issues, it can be dealing with mm-hmm. domestic issues, it can be dealing with habitation issues. It's dealing all around, it's the whole 10 yards. See, I don't like saying the whole nine yards because I'm an ex-football player, and I know (laughs) nine yards will only get you to the all-shucks because you needed that one more yard to get that first down. So we're dealing with the whole ten yards. All (laughs) right, so we have the the advanced directives we're dealing with now. We're talking about the living will. We're talking about the health care proxy. And here's the third one that I want to talk about, the DNR. D is in David, N as in Nancy, R is in Robert. D and R, which stands for do not resuscitate. Well, if you get out your Webster's Dictionary or your thesaurus, we already pretty much know what do not
0: means. <laughs> That's
2: resuscitate, right. Resuscitate, though, is the, is the tricky word here because when we're talking about resuscitation, okay, All right, when we're talking about resuscitation, what are we really talking about? That's a fancy fancy word that really a lot of times we get lost. Um, We pretty much think we know what it means, but, again, we're talking legal now. We're talking legal definitions.
0: That's right.
2: So now me as a health care provider, someone that's trained to save lives, and that's all that I do, um, if someone is not breathing, I will breathe for them. If someone's heart is not beating, I will circulate the blood around their body for them in the form of chest compressions, um, which we know to be CPR. A person with a do not resuscitate order is saying to me as a healthcare provider, in the event my heart stops beating, I do not want you to use any extraordinary means to keep me alive. Now, what does that really mean, though, to me as an emergency medical technician or as a nurse? Uh-huh. Again, this is Brother Rudolph talking to you. Let me give this disclaimer. The thoughts and views on this show are, should not be attributed to the producers or owners of Blog Talk Radio, nor the Keys 107. These views that are coming from Rudolph Muhammad are strictly his and his alone. Okay, that's the disclaimer. Your yep. DNR order don't mean Jack to be. I'm being honest with you. It don't mean a hill of beans to me. Why? Because it's a piece of paper, and unless it's out and in front of my face at the time I encounter you, I'm not looking for it. I'm taught, I'm trained, and I'm practiced in the art of cardiopulmonary resuscitation. And that's what I'm going to do. So if I'm around you and check your carotid pulse and you don't have a pulse, be prepared to get your chest pushed on. And I'm going to push on it until I can't push anymore. But your DNR, your do not resuscitate order, resuscitate is a verb. It means it's an action word. That means to revive, especially from apparent death or from unconsciousness. order only kicks in at the point that the person's heart stops beating. If the person's heart is still beating and they're not breathing, Because that's what you're doing You're consuming Medical Expertise So remember that Now um, Is there something that I think I missed um, Sister Luchelle, About that DNR Or any other advanced directives
0: No you were right on point The only thing I would add is As you said If is, is, um, if you're if you're doing the ventilation, some hospitals or most facilities will also push medication.
2: Right. There are
0: certain meds they'll push as well. So you have to be very specific what you do and do not want done. But, I mean, if, if you're not getting the – if your heart is not beating, pushing the meds really is a waste of time. Um, so or if you're not getting the ventilation, pushing the meds is a waste of time. But there are some people that that's the way they write their DNR because they're not clear on exactly what they're saying. Also, what you mentioned about the advanced directors and living will, sometimes that's intimidating to people because they think they have to hire a lawyer. Can you speak to the fact on that?
2: Oh, yes. This is wonderful. Google.com. That's right. There are many websites on the search engines on on the Internet that you can go and get free forms, download them, print them out, and just fill in the blanks. Um, If you don't have a computer, go to a library But the main thing you need to know is that No, you do not have to hire an attorney for an advanced directive You can do your research on it And you can just go get a form and fill it out yourself And there you go That's that's your DNR, that's your living will That's whatever it is that you want to do In this day and age with the uh, internet
0: And if you go to your bank or credit union, a lot of times a notary public is a free service to members. So you can just get it simply as notarized and make sure you have that document with you when you go into the hospital or someone that can bring it to the hospital, add it to your medical record so they know who you want to make those decisions for you. And most hospitals, if you're admitted to an inpatient status, not in the emergency room and not in observation. But if we'll admit they have you sign a document and they ask you whether or not you have an advance director of the living will, um, health care proxy, and if you say you do not, they are duty-bound to give you some information. So they're supposed, they can't just ask you that and you don't know what it means. So I know where I work and most of the facilities I've worked in, and I've worked in several, all of them have the booklets on hand and they'll bring it to you. And then if you would have to have a notary, and there are some mobile notaries who will come to you and charge you a fee per page to notarize and you can get it done then
2: okay so there we have it on advanced directives
0: it's so important
2: again family the, the purpose of this is to educate you to make you independent to give you the information that's necessary so that you can make informed decisions about your health care. That's the whole purpose of this segment that we're doing now, so that you are um, educated enough to make an informed decision about what you want done to yourself.
0: Brother Rudolph, can I add something? Certainly. I would also suggest to the listeners that when they go, every doctor's appointment they go to, they ask for a copy of any blood work that was done that day, of any information that the doctor can make copies for them. So you keep a personal updated record. So if you do have to go to the hospital, that trusted person, they know where you kept that file, and they can grab that file and bring it to the hospital with your up-to-date medications, with your up-to-date information of what your last appointments were so that they can take that and give it to the doctor at that time, and they can get an idea of what your baseline is. Because some people, for example, my son, he went to a doctor. He normally doesn't go to. They did an EKG and the doctor immediately wanted to send him to a specialist. The doctor would not tell me why. He just um, gave, told me he was sending him to a specialist and I'm asking him, well, what's the problem? He said, Well, no, I don't want to alarm you. Just take him down the hall to another specialist. I take him down the hall. They run another EKG. Now, I'm his parent and I'm asking them and they won't tell me. They take the other EKG and the doctor says, Well, You know, this confirms what the other doctor thought. I said, well, what's that? He says, your son is bradycardic, which means his heart rate is lower than what they consider normal. His heart rate was about 52. And I said, okay. He said, well, that can be very dangerous. He's explaining to me bradycardic because he does not know I work in cardiology. I said, well, let me ask you this. If he was a cross-country runner, would it still be a concern? He said, well, no, of course not. I said, well, he's a cross-country runner. Had the first doctor told me that, I said have told him his baseline is low because he runs cross-country. So people need right. to know your baseline information because they might think something's wrong and and it's nothing wrong. That's how you you're normally run. Your blood pressure may be low. Maybe you're athlete or maybe you just naturally have a low blood pressure. So people need to know your baseline so if you fall out and you can't speak for yourself, they're not giving you medications and treatment that you do not need.
2: Thank you so much That is 100% correct The term normal, people The term normal Is one of those crazy misnomers That does not really exist you right. use that term For lack of a better word There's no such thing as normal What is normal In a situation or an environment Where everything is different Normal only Only pertains to a situation or an environment where there's a similarity in the um, uh, um, participants and they all uh, are relatively the same, so now you can have a norm with them. But where human beings go, and we each are different, not even a set of uh, of Paternal or fraternal identical twins are the same. That's right. So how can you have normal? So when we talk about normal in the medical field, we're talking about a range, a normal range in which most people fall into this category uh, based on whatever the criteria is. But she's 100% right. Um, every situation is different and everybody should know what their baseline health status is. And the only way you will know that is by getting a complete a complete examination done, blood work and everything. Make sure, like she said, you request a, compl- a copy of everything so that you will always have it and study it. Ask questions about it. What does this mean? What is this? What does this mean? So that you will know for yourself and you're not becoming a slave to uh, someone else depending on them because what generally happens is people will look at nurses and doctors as though they're gods. That's right. And what they say is automatically the end all be all and that's it. No, that's not true. That's why medicine is called a practice.
0: That's right.
2: If you have to go in there and I have to ask you questions from A to Z, when I give you the diagnosis that I'm coming back with, I'm only giving it to you based on the answers that you gave me to the questions I asked you. So if you lied or withheld or... uh, uh um, shaded or embellished or held back on any part of the information then what you input into the computer alters the output. Absolutely. So you know, a lot of people they want to oh I want to sue that doctor, but you lied to the doctor. How are you gonna sue the doctor? You never told the doctor that you had an STD. You never told the doctor that you had uh an abortion six weeks ago. You never told the doctor that you took those pills um, 20 minutes before you walked in. You never said any of that. So how can you now blame the health care provider because something went drastically wrong with your treatment?
0: Excellent point. You have to have a health care provider that you trust. If you don't trust them with your dark, deepest, darkest, dirtiest secret, they're not a good health care provider for you. You've got to have somebody you can tell about your recreational Drug use. You have to be able to tell that. When I work in the trauma, the first thing the doctors ask the patients is when's the last time you smoked marijuana. They don't even say when cigarettes anymore. They ask when's the last time you smoked marijuana. Every little thing affects the outcome, and we think it's. Well, I just had a little X. I just had a little. I just smoked a little weed. We don't think it's going to make a difference. All of that affects the way your body responds, and the doctor will make a misdiagnosis because you weren't honest. Go in there and tell them everything. It's better to tell them everything and let them help you rather than to hold back because you're embarrassed. Excellent point. That is
2: an excellent point, Sister Michelle. Can you hold on one moment? Yes, sir. Brother um, Brother Andre, let us. Go, oh, you know what? Yes, let's take a short, a quick um, commercial break, and then we'll come right back to wrap up this segment with Michelle Mohammed and for the wrap-up of this segment of Disaster Awareness for Community Preparedness. So let's go to a quick commercial break.
1: Right. India, if you bring these to pick and off the desk. what he yeah? Oh, okay. i right. I'll
0: take care of Don't
2: forget to visit moon107.com. U M A one o seven. Right, I'm leaving as soon as I finish the show. Oh. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, family uh, Thank you for uh, Tuning in To Disaster Awareness For Community Preparedness We are blessed with uh, Commentary from Michelle Muhammad She was in the base of cardiology In a local uh, Detroit Health facility And we, are, we were talking about Your rights as a patient, and what you need to know, what you should know, and the things that you should do, in' order to help you to better come through the system when you have to go into it look let's 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 understand what time we're in uh, the medical field, the healthcare field is changing they are closing hospitals they are closing urgent care centers, Um, there's a shortage of qualified medical professionals out there. Um, There are insurance companies that have taken over the position of making decisions, medical decisions for patients based on profit and not health. Um, And so if you as a consumer are not educated then you are going to be a victim all the way around.
0: Absolutely.
2: So um, there is a commercial that says an educated consumer is our best customer. Well, that's the honest to God truth in the healthcare field. um, The more you know about your own condition, the better treatment you will get because you will be able to ask pertinent questions and you will keep all of the health care providers on their toes because they'll realize, well, this is not just some ignorant person. This is someone that knows about what's going on or has a working knowledge of it. So, uh, Sister Michelle, let me get you here to uh, say something in closing to them, some advice to people. Um, Go ahead.
0: Yes, sir. Um, I want to say four things in closing. One, you have right with your own responsibility as a patient to give all accurate information to the healthcare team, hold nothing back. Two, make sure you bring someone with you when you have health care appointments and so that they can take notes and ask questions and they can show the healthcare team that there are people that are concerned about you. It is important to have an advocate that's able to speak up for you. Three, do not wait until you are at death's door to come seeking help. When you know your body and you know that pain in your side, that's not normal. If you have to go find a free clinic, go find one and get checked out. Don't wait until you are in so much pain that you can't open your eyes before you go get help. Because sometimes you wait too long, and the medical professionals can only do so much. As Brother Rudolph said, they are not God. And the last thing I want to say is ask your doctors if you can get 90-day prescriptions Instead of 30-day, most prescriptions you can do at 90-day refills. So that way you have your medication because you never know we can have another disaster emergency where you can't get to the pharmacy, where you can't go get your refill. And when you have a 90-day supply, when you get to that last two weeks, you can usually call and get your refill, and you have a little overlap. You can have your refill in place, and you get to those last 10 days, 10 to 14 days, most pharmacies will let you put the refill in and let you come and get it. So start. Preparing to have your medications available for a longer period of time and ask what is the side effects of all medications you take. And as Brother Rudolph says so expertly, make sure you do the research. Don't let them just give you Lipitor because you saw the Lipitor commercial. Go Google Lipitor and see what's the side effects of Lipitor and see if there's anything that has less side effects. And with a lot of medications, there's also a holistic or a natural alternative if you haven't gotten to Part 6. So you make sure you're an educated consumer of your health care. Thank you, Brother Rudolph, for having me on. It's been it's a wonderful show and it reminds me of things that I need to do. So I thank you too.
2: Well thank you, Sister Rochelle, for giving us time out of your busy schedule and um, we will have you back again, God willing, very soon uh, dealing with another specific topic um, that you will be most Helpful with us on So thank you again Um, Listening audience It's time Yes, that time again Uh, We're at the end of another program And I pray that you were able To get something out of the Barrage of information That came this week A bit uh, different from our normal um, Routine programs However, still on the topic of disaster awareness for community preparedness because the medical field in itself and the emergency medical department uh, clearly can be a disastrous place for you as a patient, but also for your family members because of ignorance and, Lack of planning. So let's combat that now. Let's no longer be ignorant to what actually goes on with the procedure. And let's no longer be ignorant as to what your rights are as a patient. And let's do our due diligence in striving to be healthier individuals, which means eating properly, getting the proper rest, exercise and trying to do the very best that we can for ourselves in this day and time. We realize the realities of uh, what is going on, uh, homelessness, uh, unemployment, um, you know, and everything along that line, but we still, if we plan to be around any particular bit of time, we still need to do our due diligence and do the very best that we can with what we have while we can until something better comes along. So, again, this is your host, Brother Rudolph Muhammad, and you are listening to The Keys 107, and this is Disaster Awareness for Community Preparedness. And I urge you to stay tuned to The Keys 107. The Keys 107 has a multitude of excellent, excellent programs on it that are informative, that are educational, that are inspirational and enlightening. And all of us have the same desire, which is to help you, the consumer, to help you, The everyday person to influence you, to give you an influx of information that will help you sustain your life and and have a better existence, abundant life here while you can. Again, thank you. This is the Keys 107 Disaster Awareness for Community Preparedness. Until next week, stay tuned for the Peacekeepers Roll Call with Captain Dennis Muhammad immediately following this program. Peace.
1: Cultures, we look out for those that shut down, shut in, or shut out and We save our homes. The, the, the cultures, we keep track of our spending habits. The, the new black cultures, the new black culture demand We prepare for an unseen possession. The new black culture demand We keep the peace. The new black culture demand We have respect for life. The new black culture demand We speak creatively. The new black culture demands. We open doors. The new black culture demand We, we rebuild our community. The new black culture demand We teach the children the truth. The new black culture demand We join on to the black diaspora. The black culture demands. We communicate. The, 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 the black we listen to The Keys 107 on listen. Blog Talk Radio. Blog Talk Radio.